You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. And man can't do it, God always can. Man, we are limited in what we can do. God has no limits. He does the impossible things. Do you deal with all men this way, Lord? Do you deal with, in one sense, no. Because God chose David to bring his son into the world. God chose David to bring Jesus' son into the world. But in another sense, yes. Because every sinner can trust in Jesus Christ and be saved and enter the family of God. God doesn't need your help. Let that sink in. God created the entire earth and surrounding creation as we know it in six days. He doesn't need you to do anything, but he still wants your help. Imagine a father working on a project. Sure, his six-year-old probably isn't very much help, but it's a learning and bonding experience. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7. As he continues his message, David responds to God. God's giving reflects his greatness, not ours. I don't know about you, but I don't deserve anything. I deserve hell. I deserve to be burnt. I deserve to be a crispy critter. There's no way I deserve any of this. But God is a wonderful giver. God is a wonderful giver. And David recognized this. And look what he says in 19. Thought I'd never get there, did you? Look at 19. And yet, this was no small thing in your sight, O Lord God. This was no small thing in your sight, O Lord God, and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Nothing is impossible for God. He is the God of impossible things. When man can't do it, God always can. Man, we are limited in what we can do. God has no limits. He does the impossible things. Do you deal with all men this way, Lord? Do you deal with, in one sense, no. Because God chose David to bring his son into the world. God chose David to bring Jesus' son into the world. But in another sense, yes. Because every sinner can trust in Jesus Christ and be saved and enter the family of God. So yes, this is the manner of man. And I love verse 20. I absolutely love verse 20. And now, what more can David say to you? For you, Lord, Know your servant. I love that. David, the master poet. David, the master songwriter. David was speechless before God. He was speechless before God. I love that. I love that. Who am I? I love the way David is speaking here. He's almost like a little kid. He calls himself your servant. He calls himself your servant, and then he calls himself by name. David's humble reception to this gift is a repetitive phrase of your servant. He uses it ten times. It shows that David humbly accepted God's no when he wanted to build the temple. It was in David's heart. David really wanted to build the temple. He really thought he could build the temple and please God by building this temple. God said no. Look at verse 21. 
For your word's sake, I love that, your word's sake, he's talking to the Lord, and according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make your servant know them. You've done all these things so that I would know them, Lord, but he calls himself your servant. I love that he speaks in the third person. He, he calls himself your servant. David speaks about the things that God has done for him. For your word's sake, according to your own heart, David saw God's promises as a great thing because of the dependability upon God's word and God's love. And this is what I love about being in the ministry. I love this about being in the ministry because I submit everything to God. It's God's way. God working here. God working there. I don't depend on me. I depend on God. And God does the work. Remember I told you that the, one of the greatest um, counsel I ever got from my pastor was to sit back and be a spectator. Sit back and watch God work. Oh, I love it. Look what God has accomplished. I'm putting together a slide show to see what this place looked like when we first moved in until now. And we're going to see it, we're going to see it one of these days if I could ever get it together. But uh, it's amazing. It's amazing what God has done. The stories, I can tell you, are phenomenal. Phenomenal what God has done in this building alone. It's phenomenal. One of the best stories, I'll tell you real quick, is uh, we had a couple who came down from Quakertown. They came down from Quakertown, Pennsylvania, and they were with us over at the small church on Washington Boulevard, and he was a carpenter, and they said, the Lord is putting upon our heart, we want to help you in the new building. I said, great, praise God. We're going to take a week off and come down and help you. I went, okay. So they came down and basically framed out my office. They basically framed out my entire office. They did that for a whole week. At the end of the week, there was nothing in here, folks. I mean, nothing. The stage, but there was nothing here. The lady, I'm sitting over there. We had a table set up. We had all the plans on it and stuff like that. We had a table set up, and I was sitting there having coffee. And she's wandering around in here, and she comes and she stands right here. And she goes, Pastor Dave, what are you going to do with the carpet? I went, I don't know. The carpet was really raggy. I mean, it smelled like beer. It had cigarette burns in it. And, oh, it was disgusting. We tried to rip it up, so thought maybe we could just use the concrete. Ugh, underneath the concrete was worse than the carpet. It was just really, really nasty. So she says, I said, I, I really don't know what we're going to do with, with, with the carpet. I said, I just don't know. And she goes, she sit there a minute, and then she says, somebody from your congregation is going to buy the carpet. And I one of my standard lines was, from your lips to God's ears. I said, that's fine with me. Thought nothing of it. Thought nothing of it. A week later, someone from the fellowship was standing right there. Right there. And they said to me, what are you going to do with the carpet? I went, you know what? We haven't gone that far. Get some quotes. I'll buy it. Now the kicker. I've never seen those man and woman who built that my office again. They never came back. I've never seen them again. I tell you, it's good. God is a good God, man. God is God is a good God. He does some He does impossible things, impossible things. That's just one of the thousands of stories that we could tell you. But he says, for your word's sake, according to your own heart, your word's sake, you're going to do these things because of your word. David was saying to God, your word's true, and I believe in it. I can depend upon your word. 
You're going to do what you said you were going to do. You go back and look through all the things, especially at the end of Joshua. At the end of Joshua, it says that not one promise that God had made failed to come true. And then there's another place, and I forget where it is in the Bible, where the same sentence is there. Not one promise that God said he would do failed to come out. God does impossible things. Do you really think that the Israelites standing at the Red Sea thought they could cross? God does impossible things. God always says he will do, and of that we can be confident. And we go back to our favorite scripture, Philippians 1.6, where the Apostle Paul says, being confident of this one thing, he who began a work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. There's your confidence. God started the work in you. He started the work in you, lit that spark, you accepted Christ, you became born again, he will carry you all the way through. All the way through, because he's not slack in his promises. God will do everything according to his word, everything that he says he will do, he will do. That's a great promise, man. That's a great promise. In verses 22 through 29, as we finish the chapter, David prays. David prayed a lot. David had a great relationship with God. In fact, many, many, many of the Psalms are actually prayers. Many of them are actually prayers that David is sitting before God and speaking. But let's read the end of the chapter, 22 through 29. Therefore you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Look how David starts out his prayer. He starts out his prayer praising God. Praising him for his greatness. Praising him for his goodness. I think we all should start out our prayers that way. Praising him. Thank you, Lord, for the next breath I'm going to take. Thank you, Lord, for getting me out of bed today. Thank you, Lord, for making it another day closer that you're going to come and get me. Thank you, Lord. You know, we have so much to be thankful for. David says, thank you. Thank you. I love this. He boldly asked for God's promises. And who is like your people? Like Israel, the one nation of the earth whom God went to redeem for himself as people to make for himself a name and to do it yourself great and your awesome deeds for your land before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, the nations and their gods. For you have made your people Israel, your very own people forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. Remember what God promised them at the mount? He told them, I will be your people, you will be my people, and I will be your God. He did that. He made them that. Now, O Lord, the word which you have spoken. There's God's word again. The word which you've spoken, Lord, concerning your servant and concerning his house, establish it forever, just like you said. In other words, David is now calling God on his promise. God, I know you're faithful. I know that you do what you say you do. Now, here's your promise. Do it. I love that. That's confidence. He walked in, he was confident in what God could do, not what he could do. You didn't hear him say, show me how to do it. You didn't hear him say, just give me the tools, I'll do it. He said, no, you're going to do it, do it. You do it, Lord. Oh, I wish we had that attitude. Sometimes we get a word of the Lord, and before we do anything, we go, right, let's go. Oh, there's a lot of messes we've made by doing that kind of stuff instead of sitting before the Lord. Oh, my gosh. Instead of sitting before the Lord. 
26, so let your name be magnified forever, saying, the Lord of hosts is the God over Israel, and let the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant is found in his heart to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord, you are God, and your words are true. Underline that. You are God, and your words are true. David said, Anything you speak is true. God is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God is true. Your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now, therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord, have spoken it, and your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. David just puts it all right back before God in a beautiful prayer. He boldly says, God, you want to do it, now I want you to do it. This was not a passive prayer. Well, God, I know you want to do something, so do whatever you want. That's not what this kind of prayer is. I don't care what it is one way or the other, because it's going to be you. This wasn't an arrogant prayer. Well, God, let me tell you what you need to do. This wasn't an arrogant prayer. This was a bold prayer. God, here are your promises that you gave to me. Now, I'm trusting in you to fulfill your promises that you've given me. See the difference? David's total trust was in God. His total trust was in the Lord. He didn't even trust in his own ability because he knew that from God too. And I love the way David speaks to God. He speaks in a reverent tone, but boldly asks God to do the things he promised. David gives God praise for all that he has accomplished for the nation of Israel. And God did mighty things for the nation of Israel, still is doing mighty things for the nation of Israel. Today even does mighty things for the nation Israel. There was supposed to be some sort of a rocket attack a couple days ago. And guess what? A big sandstorm came up and nobody knew could see anything. Gee, wonder where that came from. God constantly has his hand on the nation Israel and will always have his hand on the nation Israel, even during the tribulation, which he deals directly with Israel during those seven years. When we're out of here, God is going to deal directly with Israel, him and Israel, he deals with them. I love the way David speaks. God's amazing grace is bestowed upon Israel for years and years and years. I think this is one of the reasons why people hate them so badly, why there's so much anti-Semitism. They know that they're God's people. They know God chose them. They read the Bible. They might not believe it, but they believe that part about it. And so they've been against Israel for all these years. It's scriptural. God gave them the law. He spoke to them through the prophets. He's always been with his people, and they have always, he has always been their God. David recognizes these wonderful truths. I love that about David. But David also prays for the future. David believed God is his word. We need to take God for his word. We need to believe God's word. We need to believe God's word. David took God's, God at his word. He believed that he would do it. When David did that, he asked God to fulfill his word. And God did it through Jesus Christ. Fulfilled everything. David asked that the house be built just as he promised. And it will be. As we continue on our studies, we'll find that David collects the materials to build the temple. But it's his son Solomon who actually builds it. One commentator said this, the thrust of verse 27 is thy kingdom come, and the thrust of 28 is thy will be done. 
Something we can learn from this. If it wasn't enough for David to hear God's promises, it wasn't enough for David just to hear God's promises. He also prayed that the Lord would now fulfill those promises. And what can we glean from this? Notice that David went and faced God when he received a negative answer. When God said no, David went right in and sat before the Lord. He didn't run away. He didn't get mad and all those things. He sat before him. He worshiped him. He worshiped him. It's almost like saying, God, even though I can't build the temple, I'm going to still worship you. And this reminds me of the, one of my, probably one of my most favorite Christian music facing the giants. When the coach and his wife cannot have a child and they find out that he seems to be the problem, something in his equipment's not working correctly, he doesn't produce what he needs to produce, and he goes out and he has this long talk with God and he spends all this time in the Bible reading his word, studying and stuff like that. And those famous words that come out of his mouth, God, if I never have a child, I will still praise you. I love that. Then he takes his wife and they hold hands and they pray and she says the same thing. If we never have a child, we will still praise you. Wow. That's powerful stuff, guys. That's powerful stuff. And God says no. We need to have faith that he knows what he's doing. We need to have faith to believe that when he says no, that's a blessing around the corner. A major blessing. And he will lead you into something so much greater, so far greater. I told you about the, the, the fellowship up in Upper Township that I thought was going to turn into to a Calvary Chapel. God said no. He closed that because he had this in mind for me. He had this in mind. Who am I? This is incredible. David was speechless and overwhelmed when it's all God's promises. When God's promises are true in your heart and when God's promises come true in your heart, you too will be speechless. You too will be overwhelmed. You too will look at it and go, wow, I can't believe you did that. And, and every time I say that, I kind of, kind of get guilty by saying, I don't believe you did that. But come on, we're human. You kind of know God's going to do it, but yet it's like, are you going to do it? And then you don't see it for a long time. You start to waver. And that's the problem with the Lord coming back. The Lord hasn't come all these years, and people start getting weary. You know, they're growing complacent. Yeah, 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 Jesus is coming. Yeah, I know. But, but we're, not, we're not as urgent as that used to be. And I think the church is losing something because we've lost the urgency that Christ is coming soon. And I don't think there's a push for people to get saved because we're complacent. We've fallen back. Yeah, we know God's coming. And yeah, we believe his promises, but it hasn't happened yet. So, you know. But I think that was the difference in the early church. I think the early church, if you remember correctly, after Jesus rose from the dead, those first 50 days or so, he was everywhere. He's popping in and out all over the place. So when he went to heaven and he said, I'll be back, they expected him any day. They expected to see him. They had an urgency. They wanted people to get saved. They knew the truth. They wanted people to know the truth. See, we don't have that urgency. We need that urgency. We need that urgency for our... Um, sons and daughters. We need that urgencies for our brothers and our sisters, our siblings. We need that urgency for our next door neighbors and the people across the street. We need that urgency for the wall wall workers. We need that urgency for Walmart. We need that urgency for people we come in contact at Acme and ShopRite. We need that urgency for walking down the boardwalk. It's going to be boardwalk season soon. It's going to be boardwalk season soon. I walk down the boardwalk at Wildwood a lot. I love the boardwalk. I'm a boardwalk crazy. Yes, I am. And I love it over there. But my heart breaks. My heart breaks because I see all these people over there, thousands and thousands and thousands of people with their kids. 
And that's the best it gets for them. And they're missing out on so much. Missing out on so much. When we went to Florida for the pastor's conference, we spent a day at Disneyland or Disney World, and my heart broke. There was throngs of people over there. I'm like, you guys don't understand. You don't get it. When was the last time you were overwhelmed just by your salvation? David sat before the Lord. He was brought into a place of reality, and he began to claim God's promises for himself and for the nation. He found it as in heart to pray for these blessings. If God has said no to you, you have to remember there's nothing your soul can ever need that is not covered by a promise of God. We've been given all things through Christ Jesus. Every spiritual blessing, it says in um, uh, Ephesians 1.3. We've been given every spiritual blessing we can possibly think of. You look at his word, they're there for you. We, will, we, we can have none of them until we rest in the Lord and claim them. What's your need today? What's your need today? He was called Jehovah, the becoming one. What do you need, Lord, to be for you today? What do you need? Well, we all need salvation. But maybe you need healing. He's a healer. Maybe you need provisions. He's a provider. Look at all the names of God. They all mean something. Every single one of them means something. What do you need God to be for you today? Do you need to be pardoned from something? Maybe you need, you've sinned and you need to be forgiven. Well, Isaiah 44, 22 says, the Lord says, I've blotted out as a thick cloud your transgressions. Maybe you need God's peace. In 14, 27 in John, Jesus says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. And then he goes on and says, let not your hearts be troubled. What do you need from God today? Maybe you need guidance this evening. Maybe you're wondering what his will is, or maybe you need to have some guidance and stuff. And Psalm 3280 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Lord wants to be your guide. He's given you the Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth, to lead you, to help you be a witness for Jesus Christ. He's given that to you. And so on and so on and so on. There is not one need of any one of our lives that is not covered by a promise in God's word. Not one. He has put it in our hearts to ask first for all his in his heart to give. I've said this before, and I don't mind saying it again. When it comes to God giving out things, I am one greedy dude. I want everything he wants to give me. You want me to have it, Lord? I want it. You don't want me to have it? I don't want it. Whatever God wants me to have, I want. This is no ambition of mine. I'm looking at the promises that are here. These are, and what does Peter call them? Big old tough Peter. What does he call these promises? Anybody? Oh, precious. Big tough Peter calls these promises precious promises. I love that. Big old. Fisher guy calls these promises precious. You think of Peter, you don't think I'm saying a word like precious. God wants to teach you that his no is just the beginning. His no is not an end, it's just the beginning. You are We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but that's all we have time for today on Assure Hope. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can explore more of this series in 2 Samuel or jump to another book of the Bible. Each one gives unique insight into God's plan for you and this world you live in. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. In this busy world, setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult. So we'd like to make that just a bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m., and you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. We're gathering in person, but we understand if you're not comfortable with that yet. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live. Just follow the link at assurehoperadio.com. We look forward to worshiping with you, either in person or virtually this weekend. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time to continue this study in the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.